0: This is a lot to learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin.
1: Welcome, 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 welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I have no idea what time it is because this is a podcast. Today is going to be really exciting because we've got Justin Hall, who is a partner with Golden Gate Ventures, a Singapore-based venture capital firm. And we are going to be talking about everything that is venture capital, why Southeast Asia, and how society is changing due to, you know, capital infusions. So let's start from the very beginning. Welcome, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, Justin, venture capital is, it's the stuff of legend. It's the stuff of Silicon Valley, the HBO show. It's the stuff of the social network, right? It's got this it's got this legendary status. Sure. It's a black box. No one really knows, but it's, it's, it's magical. People say, oh, do you know what I've got backed up? I've got VC backed up. Yeah. I've got venture capital. What is venture capital? Full start.
2: Full start. Okay. Uh, I think the simplest way to answer this question is that venture capital is just capital devoted exclusively to finding scalable, fast-growing startups uh, and entrepreneurs and Capitalizing them so that they can
1: take over the world, basically <laughs> take over the world. Yeah. Um, so even even on a more base level, like what kind of startups? When again, the word startup that's also a loaded sure. term. Startup that is very loaded term. Well, startup we think oh you made Angry Birds that's a startup sure. or you've got an app that you know finds the next pizza place. Mm.
2: So for for us and for most venture capitalists, we would probably say or we would say that a startup is a Company that can scale extremely fast. So that kind of differentiates it from your SMEs. Your SMEs grow, you know, they, they can grow well, but they grow linearly. What's an SME? Uh, uh, small and medium sized enterprise or business. Yep. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'll try to avoid that. Oh, the, no, no. Please, by all means, use it. I will hop and in. Then you'll because hop in. Okay, so, great. So small, medium enterprises are different than startups. Yeah. Those
2: are like your mom and pop shops, your, your stores, your retails, et cetera, et cetera, your brick and mortar. Which have a,
1: you know, a finite Correct. growth.
2: Finite growth, right. finite growth. Whereas a startup, these are startups or these are businesses that can go from
1: zero to one hundred in a month. And or it in doesn't, two it doesn't necessarily mean what we think of as the layperson thinks of a startup as uh, an app or a website or something like that. It could be any industry, any kind of business can be a startup so long as it has infinite growth potential. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. So here's the venture capitalist. Mm-hmm. Here's the company. They have. Where does their money come from to start with?
2: So to start, a lot of the times, at least in Southeast Asia...
1: Is a venture capitalist, in essence, a startup for startups when you start up?
2: <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that New Yorker comic. Yeah, you could say that. Oh, okay. 100%. I haven't seen that New Yorker oh, yeah, that comic. Oh, no, no. New
1: Yorker <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Great, great, great. Yeah. Yeah. Is a VC a startup for startups before they start before up? They start up. Yeah. Actually, <laughs>
2: yes. That is a very good way to say it. Right. So, I mean, when we first started, we, were, you know, we, we weren't paying ourselves. We were working out of a co-working space. We had... Very little money to our name, but we are still investing in other entrepreneurs, other very early, early stage startups. So yes, VC's are like
1: that, right? And when you're investing, so this is this is I'm assuming you and your partners own money because you're you're you know working in a WeWork space or something like that or a share space. So this is your own money. You're not paying yourselves, and you're finding you're targeting uh, you're targeting likely companies that you feel have growth potential. Sure, it's actually. Uh, Everything that you said was true, except for the
2: first part in that it's our money. A lot of the times, investors are not investing their own money. Got in, it. Where it. We are, in fact, raising money from other investors. Other investors are giving us their money to put into startups that we find, to put into entrepreneurs that we find.
1: Right. I understand that. I was I was uh, in the genesis oh, in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah, in the very yes, beginning, yeah. when it's just you and your three or four partners, and you're like, we're going to start this. Where does that initial money come from? That actually came from
2: angels as well. So, okay. Yeah, so it, in, in the beginning... And maybe we're different from other VCs, but actually most VCs, when they start out, they're raising from high net worths, they're raising from angels, they're raising mm-hmm. from other people that say, here's 100K uh, check, here's a, a million dollars, invested into startups on my behalf. So even in the beginning, VCs are actually still investing other people's money.
1: Right. And and obviously your team has to have the track record. Correct. Yes. Uh, so you've come from a diverse uh, group of guys, so each one has a different targeted industry. Or yep. does does a... Does a VC firm operate on a greater philosophy, or does it... Yeah. Yeah. So what you'll see is many VCs
2: operate according to a thesis or theses, Mm -hmm. where they have kind of an idea in mind, or or certain industries are are growing, or they will kind of blow up, or certain other industries are kind of trending down, so what's going to replace them? Uh, and so investors will operate according to these theses and say all right there's this company that fits into what my understanding and narrative is for this geography or this market or this industry and so I'm going to invest
1: and obviously at a certain point in time when golden gate was founded you said southeast asia southeast asia yep yeah. okay so so, yeah, so we why go through that, yeah like, why we, we why southeast Genesis, asia because yeah. again the 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 startup the venture capital world this is you think, well, actually, Golden Gate, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. But you don't think the Golden Gate got picked up and moved over sure, here. Sure, sure.
2: So actually, uh, it might be good to go through kind of a genesis of, of, of that story, of why we even came Perfect. here in the first place. Perfect, So uh, we, we started in Singapore uh, November of 2011, so about s- almost seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, the founding partner, Vinnie Loria, uh, he had started uh, two companies with his other partner, Paul Bregio, uh in the Valley, and they sold it, and they said, all right, we have a little bit of money, let's just travel, and let's just go around the world, let's explore. Uh, and Vinnie Laurie with his wife, Christine Laurie, they uh, first hit up Southeast Asia. And when they were here, uh, Vinnie kind of with his uh, startup hat on, he saw that there was tons of startups on the ground, just so many good startups coming up, tackling problems that to an American we would not be familiar with whatsoever. And he said, these are really good investable companies what's the VC landscape here like? And it was empty. There was no nothing out here nothing. seven, eight years ago. Like and, and very, very few. Because it's just a, a cultural... Just oh, no, it's not a cultural thing whatsoever. It's just uh, the venture capital industry, it takes a long time to evolve, especially organically, right? Right. When people, when people think of the Valley, they think, oh, that it's always been like this. But it, I mean... It, it came up 56, uh, about 50 years ago, and it was a very- Right,
1: when like Hewlett and Packard went into a garage, right? right and yeah, then there's, and, that's and it. Had, like government
2: involvement, military involvement, and there's this confluence of different factors, and then you suddenly had this evolution of the VC industry in the Valley. That hadn't occurred yet in Southeast Asia or in Singapore maybe 10 years ago. So Vinny arrived, and he said, oh, there's, there's really not not much here. Uh, at least on the, the venture capital side. So he spoke to his colleagues. He spoke to investors in the States, said, there are great companies here. I can refer them to you. They're, they're blowing up. They're going to do extremely well. And to most of those investors, they said, this is too far out of left field for us. We don't even know where Singapore is on a map. How do right. you expect us to invest in it? And so that, that that was the start of the idea of Golden Gate Ventures.
1: You used a VC philosophy to found the VC. You yes. targeted yes. A, yeah. a, a weak sector And you exploited
2: that weakness. And that's what many, that's what. Most investors do. They they look at an industry or a market or a sector that says this is undercapitalized. There is opportunity here. This potential here. I'm just going to get started. I'm going to build a, a fund for this.
1: So, uh, so Southeast Asia has a different a different breed of startups that you said and sure. an American would never. It wouldn't even occur to them yeah. um, without if, if it's not clients or competitors or anything. Without what sort of what sort of industries. Have emerged here that a venture capitalist would look at that just wouldn't even either a be relevant in the United States or sure. b uh or or b be thought of yet in the sure. United States.
2: So it's more it's more um kind of con- it's more taking advantage or, or a reflection of consumer behavior, right? So I think I can start with that. In the United States, the way consumers came online was a very linear growth or a very linear pattern from desktop like. PCs, like I had a PC growing up, into mobile phones. In Southeast Asia, they completely leapfrogged the PC. There are, no PC, uh, there are PCs here, but in terms of the, the universality of, of, of the Internet and democratization of Internet in Southeast Asia, they immediately went to the mobile phone. And so when you have a mobile phone, people don't really think about this or are aware of this, but when you have a very small screen... Very small form function of the phone. You need to you want to do as much as you can on this phone as opposed to a desktop. Like the smaller screen, the the functionality might be a little bit less robust than a PC, and so that's that's kind of reflected in the apps that are developed, or the user experience, or the behavior on a phone versus an American consumer in the states. Right. So, so a very good example for this would be um, Carousel is a peer to peer used goods uh, marketplace for the phone. So it's kind of like a Craigslist for the mobile. Uh, And they actually came up with this idea before OfferUp or LetGo in the States. Because in the States, people are used to going on eBay, used to going on Craigslist. That's a very desktop, like kind of a
1: big screen experience. Yes, I use eBay all the time. Mobile, and the the experience on eBay mobile is... Is, Yeah, it's not as good. But here, people
2: are just... People are using their mobile phones for everything. And so the way that... Consumers kind of use it and interact with it and navigate it. It's going to be very distinct here versus in the States.
1: Also, the person creating this idea is a mobile native. Correct. So they're not thinking, how do we... Tra- like Because you think website Correct. into app. Yes. There's just no... Website doesn't exist.
2: Yes, the website doesn't exist. The website doesn't exist to a lot of the users here. So when they develop something, they're developing these, these really well-built structured, navigable uh, mobile apps. Because that, that's all you've ever known. all they know. And ah, so this, fascinating. this kind of moves into other things where you see the development of super apps here and in China that you don't necessarily see in the States. In the States, and this is a really strange phenomenon, but in the States, everything is siloed, right? You go to an app or a website for food delivery. You go to an app or website for groceries. You go to an app or website for, you know, uh, 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 toy shopping, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas in Southeast Asia and China, you're starting to see this conglomeration or this... Um, kind of this aggregation of all these services on top of one another in a single app. So it's quote, unquote, a super app. Right. So first we saw this in China with WeChat, and now WeChat has e-commerce, has content, has live streaming, has television, all on one app. And again, this goes back to what are consumers kind of comfortable with. You have this one phone, this one app, and you use it for everything, whereas in the States you have a desktop and there a proliferation of different websites doing different things. It's not the same here.
1: Right, the second page of my phone is folder upon folder upon folder of yep. clustered themes of Correct. apps. Correct. Why can't we just like, you know, I've got, I've got one folder called Around Me. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's the one where my Lyft is and yeah. where my Get Correct. is in Asia and where yep. that's also the where, and where my Seamless Web is and yep. my Fandango for my movie tickets. Yep. That's all in one folder of yep. 14 apps. Correct. Whereas
2: here in Southeast Asia and China, it's one app. And I'm getting my movie tickets. I'm ordering the yeah. pizza, and the car is on the way. All on the same app. God, that's amazing. It, why can't we do that? It's and and I think it just goes back to how consumers evolved over time. Like again, in the states, we 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 went from desktop into mobile, and so we wanted to keep that same pattern, right? The different distinct websites or different distinct apps for different things.
1: Now, why? Okay, we're we're going off topic here, but sure. this is actually interesting why aren't the hardware manufacturers, the Apples and the Googles, why aren't they creating an integrated one-touch thing where you don't have to go into the sure. app ecosystem or do you make so much money in the app ecosystem that they'd be sort of eating their own tail if they started... I, okay, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, you, you, you actually do have companies in the United States that are trying to do this. Like Facebook Messenger is trying to do this. Facebook is trying to do this where there's a marketplace where they're trying to build a wallet in Messenger where they're trying to do a lot of content, digital media. Okay, yes, I've I've rarely used this. Rarely use it, correct. You've rarely used it, and that's kind of a good indication that perhaps the the, the way of doing business or the way of interacting with the internet in the States or in the West is very, very different than it is in the East, in in Asia, for example. Um, uh, Kind of Snap went through this... Weird story where the founder he went out to China and he his eyes were open to how consumers interact with digital media there and he tried to implement it to snap when he returned to the states and the features bombed people did not like to use it like consumer like there was this big controversy I think six or nine months ago where he implemented these changes based off one trip to China and American consumers absolutely hated
1: it so what we're experiencing in at least developing economy I mean Singapore is obviously developed but at least developing Southeast Asian economies and economies like China is if you have legacy technology you're actually at a distinct disadvantage because when you start with the when you start on the bleeding edge yes everyone else has to play catch up because you know, how many, you're from Brooklyn, right? Yeah. How many, how many different Nokia phones did you have? Yeah, exactly. Right. I, how many of the, the little, go, yeah. I, by the way, they were the bricks, awesome. Yeah. The they, little they, bricks. The yeah. Bricks. <laughs> oh yeah. Charge, charge it once every, I don't know, <laughs> <Yeah>. 11,400 <laughs> yeah, yeah. days. Exactly. Right. Great. And, uh, you know, T9 in your pocket, right? The, the snake game. Oh, the snake I, game. I yeah. That. And I had this I really that. cool LG phone. It was, it was LG. It was silver and it was metal and it had this, it had this oh, those are the fancy it had the slide those are great. it had this slide oh, yeah, the mechanism slide like the, the Matrix. and it and it closed with like the solidity of like a mercedes benz <laughs> yeah. door and everyone's they like do that, that is amazing <laughs> now now everyone's like is that one mine i can't tell if it's a black <laughs> iphone with a <laughs> exactly, case on it no, yeah like the same now. yeah, um, yeah no anyway uh, we but we digress uh, yeah so when you start on the cutting edge the people who were yep. saddled with the legacy technologies mm-hmm. are at a distinct disadvantage.
2: Yep. Yeah, and that's why, uh, that's why Carousel was kind of an eye-opener to not only other investors, but uh, even to us. when we, In the beginning, we were just like, how are you going to compete against Craigslist, or how are you going to compete against the local Craigslist, which is called Gumtree, or OLX, like, these, these are really well established competitors. And the founders, to their credit, they said, no, we're going to create something mobile. We're going to create something that users on the ground here already know and are familiar with, and we're just going to roll out that way. And they were extremely successful. And then you had companies like Offer Up and Let Go. Look at Carousel. These are Western companies. Look at Carousel and say, oh, shit, we should do that. We can do that. Right. And, and now they, they are mobile centric platforms in the United States at, that took a page out of companies here in Asia.
1: Right. I, so basically, we just have to have um, <laughs> we just have to have the over forty population die yeah, off yeah, in the yeah. United Maybe States. That's Maybe that's it. <laughs> um, so now, venture capital as an industry, not just specifically Golden Gate. Sure. Um, there's vast sums of money going around the world right now, and often to me, it seems that. Okay, so I got my startup, and then I sold it out, and then I founded a venture capitalist company, and which to give to a startup to yeah. sold out. Where Where yeah, did yeah, the yeah, money so start, and where easy is easy. it going to end? Is, sure. this a, is this a Is this a giant pyramid? Oh, pyramid scheme. I, no, not, not, <laughs> not. I didn't use those words, <laughs> but you, you, you note that you know uh, these kids founded this awesome app, and yeah. they sold it for two point one billion, and then they're like, we're going to take our two point one billion and start a venture capitalist firm, and sure. they're going to start venture capitalist firm and they seed fund a cool app that then they sell that create i'm like wait a second where well, did it yeah, start where's,
2: where's all this coming from i mean yeah i i think uh, the cynics point of view would be like where's all this wealth coming from where's, the, where's all this money coming from but i mean to 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 the people in the space to those entrepreneurs to those investors i mean wealth in our mind is always being created value is being created here when you when again speaking for Indonesia or Singapore when you had an ecosystem where you had a market where there was no way to pay for goods online or there was no way to have any goods delivered to your door or get a taxi or there, there's so much opportunity that's being untouched and so when you have these entrepreneurs and startups tackling this problem you're, you're giving value to consumers on the ground that they didn't have 10 years ago. And
1: there is the generation of wealth it's yes. maximizing consumers opportunities.
2: Yes and that's where, that's where the we're kind of 10 years ago let's Say the venture capital and the startup ecosystem in Southeast Asia was very much in its infancy. Right now, we're, I you don't know, to the, the same terminology, like prepubescence, right? We're, we're kind of growing into a really viable market. We're still young, but there, there's capital. There are really, really strong companies here on the ground. You just need to give us a few more years, and then we're going to explode.
1: So, okay, um, th- this is an opinion piece. Is venture capital a democratizing force Or does it run the risk of over-consolidating, you know, because the venture capitalist wants to look at, you know, one thing and then maybe bundle it with another, and now we've consolidated something rather than having this uh, fragmented democratic ecosystem. Or does it go both ways?
2: I think it goes both ways. I think you do have a tendency to uh, have this consolidation or this this aggregation of wealth, but there will be investors that see that as an opportunity, that so much capital is being overspent or overfinanced in this market or this industry. We need to look elsewhere. We need to look at different technologies, different markets, different geographies. That's where the, the opportunity is. And so I think that there is this kind of tendency to, to overfinance things, over engineer things, but then there are always those few investors or entrepreneurs that see, oh, there's something else there. And that's where the
1: democratization occurs. So it kind of goes in ebbs and flows. I got right? it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, you see something, you see little bubbles, yeah,
2: and you see yep. them getting
1: bigger. Yeah, and you go, I gotta get, I gotta find correct. a new bubble. Yeah, and also I gotta get out of that bubble before correct. it gets too big. Yeah, correct. Yep. O- okay, okay, I get it. So, so it is, it is legitimately spreading the wealth around 100%. because if I, you've I totally got, you've got the kid in his basement who develops the cool app and yep. he's thinking outside the box, and then yep. you go, here we go, kid, let's get this started. Yeah. Ah, All right. All right. So I think, you know, for the layperson, I keep using that term. I I overuse that term. Uh, I think for the layperson, uh, it's really important that we hear Justin's opinion because often this, this, uh, amount of capital is just innately maligned.
2: Yes. 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 Oh, 100%. Yeah. A thousand percent. I totally agree with that. Um, but I mean, it, it really depends on the market that you're looking at, right? Like, I'm originally from the United States, and I will see, even even now in this industry, that there are certain ideas or certain startups that are getting funded, and it's almost inexplicable to me because I'm thinking, who, who really has this problem, or what problem is this really meaningfully trying to solve, right? Um, there are a ton that I don't want to name them because I don't want to call them out, but <laughs> when, I, when I go out to Southeast Asia, you're still seeing capital being put into industries or startups that... Solve really painful points, really painful problems, right? Like, for example, yeah, elaborate, alternative, please. Yeah, alternative lending is where you crowdsource loans, micro loans, stuff like that. Yeah, so in the states. Everyone has a credit score. You can go to a bank for that. Maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe not I, everyone,
1: I, or I, they're not great just, I just found out the hard way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after being a bartender for a while, I don't you have don't one. Have a, fine, to, you don't have a credit yeah, score. I, I got a I got a big bank account, though. <laughs> so, yeah, that's great. So that's whenever, all that matters. Whenever the credit score comes up, I just go, scoreboard. <laughs> okay. Where did you get this money? Yeah.
2: Um, so, But in this in, in Southeast Asia, nobody has credit cards. And so nobody has a credit score. And so if you need a working capital loan for your business or if you want an automobile loan to get you from point A to point B or from home to work, it's really difficult to do that. And so you've had this explosion of fintech companies where they go through the process of...
1: FinTech, meaning financial fi- technologies. Financial technology, where,
2: you go through this pro- where they go through this process of finding out who's applying for this loan, what their background is, basically doing what the bank should be doing, but which doesn't. And so now you have this explosion of capital going towards companies for working, or going towards SMEs or individuals for consumer loans or payday loans, working capital loans that just did not exist 10 years ago. And this, to me, is a really big opportunity that you are doing something that the banks cannot or did not want to do 10, 15 years ago, and now it's being taken over by startups.
1: And they're going, they're going to pay. And yeah, yeah. Because decades down the road, where's the bank? It yeah, isn't. Correct. It's our mobile ecosystem and microloaning. Yeah, but you'd be
2: surprised because now what these, what these FinTech companies are doing, it, before they were crowdsourcing these loans, uh, but now the banks are saying, we have all this capital, we have all this money, we don't know what to do with it, just loan out our money. So we'll give you $10 million, $15 million of our money. Uh, we won't loan it. You loan it for us. And so you're starting to see, again, this is this is what happens. This is what we're starting to see, where you you see synergies arising that uh, the, the, the institutionals or the traditional
1: corporates just didn't really realize. But and now they're seeing it now. If not seeing it, at least they they recognize that they, they are not capable yes. of implementing this yes. so yeah. they they automatically will defer to someone yeah. who is much more wise than them. Much more wise or so they know what they're doing. They understand how to navigate
2: the digital space much better than them.
1: So <clears throat> I guess that goes back to this venture capital world is not as closed circuit as we imagined because there is injection of cash from what we call the more traditional industries yes. as oh, they loads. as they recognize that they are vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
2: there there's a huge influx of that. I mean, many times when VCs raise, they're they're raising from corporates. They're raising from uh industries that want to have a better understanding of what's happening on the ground so they can be better prepared for it.
1: Got it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this is I, I this is insanely illuminating to me oh, because good, you don't good, you good. don't I I hope it is for everyone else too because you don't you think of JP Morgan as JP Morgan, yeah. right? And it just operates well above the law, literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Jamie diamond is a dickhead. Uh, <laughs> by the way, there goes my uh, <laughs> there goes your sponsor. Well, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I still bank with Chase because there's one on every corner and an ATM in every Dwayne Reed. Actually, there's Citibank and Dwayne Reed's bank, now. Yeah, yeah which well, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I've used an ATM. So who? Well, there's another thing. When's the last oh, yeah. time? Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah.
1: um where was I going with this? Other than J.P. Morgan yeah. Chase He's is just a criminal. On <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know where 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 were we on this? Oh, um, yeah. So the other vulnerabilities in, uh not vulnerabilities. Uh, what what what's the term you use for a market opportunity or a niche mar- opportunity? Just. Market opportunity. Okay, <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. Yeah, um, so we've got we've got micro lending in Southeast Asia. Sure. Um, what what other things attracts investors like you to Southeast sure. Asia? So so at least for and, us- and by the way, in in the lens of conversely related to diametrically related to America. Well, not maybe not diametrically re- uh, related to America, but this is what Southeast sure. Asia sure, sure, is sure. special at.
2: Yeah. So what.
1: What mm, we're starting to see,
2: and as a fund, as our thesis, we're looking at this more than perhaps other funds, but we're really interested in consumer technologies. So for us, this is a young, fast-growing economy, fast-growing market. The first people to come online, they're not businesses. They're not traditional corporates. They are consumers. They are people that are getting their phone, their smartphone for the first time uh, and are being exposed to this entire universe of Internet enabled devices and apps and services and we're investing in companies that are doing that that are consumer facing and that could be you know for everything for uh wanting to pay for something online or shopping for something online consuming content online we're
1: looking at that space consumer enabled services and products Got it got it um and and anything more specific too because consumer enabled sure sure, like,
2: but that's that's the point it if it sounds broad it, it is oh, because again it's literally it's, the
1: whole world, you know yeah, yeah yeah,
2: but in in Southeast Asia again, in terms of familiarity and exposure to this, this is this, is, this area is you know, decades behind in terms of exposure to these, to these kind of new products and services, right? I think in the, in the United States, we, we started coming online like in the mid-90s. I think, yeah. you know, this, this area is...
1: Yeah, yeah the, yeah,
2: the dial-up. And, yeah. and here, um, they're, they're, in, in many respects, they're only just coming online now in the last five to 10 years. And so really, if it's been done in the States, it hasn't been done here. And you could say the same for India and same for China. It's been done in the States, but it is only just coming online now, and it can be done better, and it can be localized to local tastes, to local preferences, languages. Those are things that that there's an arbitrage opportunity
0: in the sense that you, you see business models work elsewhere. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: All right. Which of these business models will work in Southeast Asia and what needs to be done to localize it so that local consumers understand it and want to use it?
1: Right. Because, you know, for those in, you know, the United States or Western Europe, you know, Western Europe has a, you know, a wide range of languages. But culturally, the identity other than France and Germany invading one another are pretty much, you know, it's similar. And the United States, you know, has you know, what, two main languages, Spanish and English, so it's like, you know, para espanol o yeah, primo uno, exactly. right? Yeah, but yeah. now, in Southeast Asia, very I mean... Uh, very heterogeneous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So And and each little language cluster and has its own cultural idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Yes. So, as an investor, you can be like, I. there's no harm in you being like, okay, there's eBay for this language and eBay for this language yeah. and eBay for this language, and mm-hmm. I will individually... invest in each of them. One of them maybe might assume the others, but they might also thrive locally because of how bifurcated cultures are out here. Correct,
2: correct. And that's actually what some of the theses were maybe five or six years ago where we want to invest in the best Vietnamese entrepreneur. We want to invest in the best Indonesian entrepreneur because in our mind... If you are the best in that country, not only will you do well, but it will be extremely difficult for other companies outside Indonesia or outside your local
1: market to encroach on your space. Right. And uh, while y- you guys are, I mean, you're not DFI, you're not direct foreign investment, but you are, you have faith in the homegrown.
2: Yes. You, oh, you'd, yes. You'd, you'd, 100%. Yeah. yeah and, and many funds, uh, whether they explicitly state it or implicitly do it, uh, we are. We want to invest in local entrepreneurs.
1: You don't want vultures. You're not going to invest in a vulture in Silicon Valley to come out and do it here. Those guys
2: never do well. They don't. They they because they they approach this market. So there's a lot of this neo-colonialist perspective Oh, there's a the, lot of neo-colonialist yeah, there's, perspective
1: there's, in Singapore. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Crazy rich Aiden <laughs> just yeah, have that come out. Once uh, we'll mute this afterwards <laughs> and we'll go into my opinions on the neo neo-colonial, oh, the neo-colonialist love to hear atmosphere that. of Singapore. <laughs>
2: So, but I mean, and we've had we've had. By the many, way,
1: I'm getting kicked out of this fucking country right after this podcast. <laughs> the government's already uh, you listening. Know, like, in. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't sworn on my podcast yet in like eight interviews or ten interviews. But there's, I'm getting fucking kicked out of <laughs> Singapore. <laughs> I'm glad that I could incite that in this one.
2: Uh, so, I mean. But we, we've had tons of conversations with the entrepreneurs where they say, oh, I'm not doing that well in my home market, but oh, Southeast Asia is new. I'll just go there and I'll be the number one there. And it never works never. out that way. Never works out that way because we had this one conversation. It was with a European company and they were doing, I, I won't mention the space, but the um, European company, they wanted to come out here and I said, it's going to take you at least two years to even understand the market before you can kind of capitalize on what you're trying to do. And he ended up Uh, coming out here and just bombing completely. Uh, This is an extremely complicated space. Like, you're looking at six or seven different markets, regulations, languages, culture, religions. It's really tricky to just break out here and expect to do well. What
1: you do see... It's also really presumptuous.
2: It's extremely presumptuous. To to be like, ah,
1: you know what? I could do it better. Yeah, I can do it better. Oh, Britannia, Britannia. We'll we'll bring electricity on the internet (laughs) over. Exactly, exactly. He made the trains run on time. There's a hint of that. And yeah, it's just
2: really frustrating to hear that. Like, you guys can kiss. You know, like, <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I got you. you know? yeah. <laughs> but but what you what you do see a lot of funds now looking at is really strong entrepreneurs, and this is a this is a kind of an interesting phenomenon. We we call them sea turtles. Uh, So Southeast Asia turtles, similar to, there's a phenomenon in Ireland. uh, I think they were called homing pigeons where the Irish that went overseas were educated overseas Mm -hmm. and had this huge Irish diaspora. Yep. And many of them returned to Ireland during the Celtic tiger boom and kind of revitalized the economy. Yep. And you're starting to see the same thing happening in Southeast Asia where you have sea turtles, you know, uh, kids that were uh, educated overseas in, in very prestigious schools.
1: Or in Singapore here. Or you know, in Singapore Come here. to Singapore, go circulate back out to Correct. Indonesia or Correct. whatever, right? It's,
2: so in some respects, yes. But the really clear profile or the really clear... Uh, winners were the ones that actually left Southeast Asia completely, mm-hmm. and they went to the states, uh, and they were educated at Wharton or Harvard Business School or Stanford. So they're coming from very prominent families right. back here, right? Right? To to you know to send your kid if you're a U.S. parent and you're sending your kids to Stanford or Oxford or to to Harvard, you're paying a lot. Right. Yes. that's extremely expensive. Yes, but to do that to send your kid from Indonesia or Vietnam to a school like Harvard or Stanford. That means you're coming from a very wealthy family, right. a very well-connected family. Right. And so when those kids come back, and many times they do, not only do they have the family connections back home, but they have the network abroad, they have the education from this overseas school, and many of those guys end up creating a startup on the ground. And mm-hmm. if you look at the top, startups in Southeast Asia right now, a lot of them follow that pattern, right. the sea turtle pattern of being coming from a prominent family here, educated overseas, and then come back. And so you have a lot of funds that are identifying, all right, does this, does this entrepreneur fit this profile? And if so, then yes, we should definitely take a look at it.
1: Right. And uh, that, to me, leaves me a little uncomfortable it sort of smacks of the Raj. Sure. You know, it smacks of colonial Britain. You know, yep. we're going to create a, um, we're going to create a uh, bureaucrat class mm-hmm. by sending Indians back to educate in Britain to come back to create the bureaucrat yep. class of India while we still rule from...
2: Correct. And this is actually... This goes back to what I said before in terms of this kind of ebb and flow and the, the democratization of venture capital. Like, there are some... Founders, there are some funds that will exclusively invest in that or only focus on that, but then you miss out on some of the best companies here. Like Tokopedia. Tokopedia is a unicorn in Indonesia, and this was an extremely local founder. He was educated locally. He built up a product. He built up a service that, you know, Outside investors just would have no hope of understanding. It was a, It's a marketplace. It's an e-commerce market uh-huh. for Indo. Uh, and he he did extraordinarily well. And if you were an investor saying, oh, he doesn't fit the sea turtle profile, we should not invest, then you would have missed out on one of the three best companies in Indonesia
1: today. And that's, that's amazing. And th- that seems to be where Golden Gate's philosophy is more at. I mean, of course, don't get me wrong. If you see that Harvard-Wharton guy come back and you got a good product yep. you're gonna be like oh damn straight we're gonna hop on it yep. but you're not Whoa. you're not cloistered in we're that not opinion cloistered to that yeah. at all yeah um, so what can and this is worldwide what can you teach or tell an aspiring entrepreneur how to interact with a company like Golden Gate Ventures? Oh. How do you how I've got I've got my Everyone's got their once-in-a-million idea, but there might be the once-in-a-million idea. Sure how does be. someone... You know what? I can't even, I can't even extrapolate what I'm trying yeah, to convey. How do you do it? How do you do it? <laughs> um, what advice can you give for
2: anyone? The, the for best everyone. advice I have is to get started without speaking to an, entre- speaking to an investor. Right? As an investor, I want to see that you have buy-in to your own idea too often, I have entrepreneurs approaching me saying, I have this great idea. If you fund me, I'll do it. Mm -mm. No, if it's that good of an idea, you want to fund it yourself. You want to own everything. You see, this is such a clear, obvious opportunity to uh, reward yourself, to become wealthy that you don't need my help. You want to do it yourself. Um, And so I want to know that you've you know, you, you've started the business, you have the website, you have the email, you're, you're trying to speak to customers, you're building a product without my help. That shows that there's buy-in. And if, because if I don't see buy-in, if you're not bought into your idea, why should I be bought into your idea? Right. Right? Yeah. And so that is the, that's the thing that many, many people don't really realize. That there's not, the, you know, at the end of the day, I want to I want to invest in somebody that is deeply passionate about their idea. And I can't tell you the number of times that investor that I have passed on entrepreneurs, I've passed on companies because when I ask them, all right, why are you doing this? They say, Oh, because the you know I can make a lot of money or the market is there, the opportunity is there. Like what does that mean? So yeah, what does that mean? Like if it gets difficult for you, if you no longer think that the opportunity is there, are you just gonna drop off or you gonna disappear? Are you gonna fade into the ether? Like that's not what I that's not what I want. I want somebody that is so passionate about their idea they 're putting their heart and soul into building this up, and I want to see that, and those are the ones that I want to put money into. if this is just a you know a get rich quick scheme, then I see that I understand that and I'm
1: not going to invest right so there is uh, a, 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 a not an ethical but a moral code um, like there, 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 there is a subjectivity to oh, yes. your ethos oh, oh. and I,
2: I th- most you know, you have many investors and many funds that are trying to pull away from that and try to be almost exclusively quantitatively driven in, this, in their decision making. Right. And I think that's certainly helpful. But uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you are, especially in the early stage side, you're investing in people, right? these You need to understand what motivates them, what drives them, where the, if they have a chip on their shoulder, if they're trying to prove something, you you have to suss that out, and I don't think that's captured in numbers. I don't think that can be quantitatively derived.
1: Right, and it also can't be derived by looking at you know the management profile. Yeah, you know yeah, because you need to talk. Is that yeah. is this person going to be a good leader? Yes. Because if they're going to be a good leader, then well, now we've got some money behind it. Yeah. 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 So wow. So this is this is. Fascinating because we're we're operating right brain and left brain constantly, yeah and we're both hands on and god's eye view yeah. simultaneously yep that's a
2: good way to that's a good way to put it and there there are some funds that are very hands on there are some funds that are very quantitatively driven then there are some funds that are just like um let's have a coffee chat for thirty minutes i like you here's a you know, hundred thousand dollar check, just run with it. And yeah, that happens,
1: and and sometimes it works, and sometimes
2: it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard it work and work extremely well. Yeah, for you the just founder uh, and the, the investment
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, you just uh you just heard the other day that uh, the the Bezos family may be the oh, second richest people on earth on on earth. Yeah, yeah. because because uh well, so. <laughs> I'm not going to get into this. (laughs) I'm not going to get into this. But like Jeff Bezos, I pulled myself up from the, no, you pulled yourself up with a $250,000 loan from your parents. Whose parents have $250,000? Just be like, here you go, son, this will
2: be worth it. Everyone talks about that picture about him in the office, like working late night. And
1: I mean, by the way, oh yeah, we know he's, we know he's a gangbuster, you know, but there are are opportunities there that other people would not. have. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So, The aspiring entrepreneur—they've got—you know—you gotta—you gotta—you gotta gotta embody the person, but you also have to—you gotta embody a personality, but you also have to embody the fact that you—you love this. Yeah, that's that's love. This is what this is what Golden Gate Ventures wants to see. This is what venture, well, at least ones who run in sort of your code want to see. Yes, you want to see a person behind it. And it's
2: it's good that you say your code because that's entirely true. There are some funds that operate on very different very very different theses very different ideas as to what constitutes a founder that they want to invest in.
1: Well, I'm I'm very glad that I spoke to someone from a fund like yours rather than uh, again, I'm Pretty opinionated, about what seems to be almost mercenary to me. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. But, I mean, for us, it's it's worked out well for us because when we invest in those ones that are extremely passionate, I mean, some of those ideas would be that they just they cannot give up. Like, they're so passionate about this idea that even if it gets extremely difficult for them or they're running out of money or the, the market is m- much more difficult than they expected, they cannot give up. Because they have something to prove, they want to prove their naysayers wrong, or they 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 know that this is so painful enough that they're willing to overcome any obstacle that gets thrown at them.
1: And well, clearly your track record is, speak for itself. Because July, you just uh, landed one hundred million more dollars, huh?
2: So we had our first close. We didn't have that. Wasn't the we're aiming to close a hundred million? So we had oh, okay. our first close got it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing well as a fund. Uh, our first fund was, you know, relatively small. That was, tw- tw- uh, back in, uh, 2011 and our second fund in 2015. Uh, our first fund was 2012,
1: excuse me. Second fund was 2015. And now we're raising our, our third fund. This has been fascinating. This has been amazing. It's really great to hear something, uh, you know, from my post-capitalist perspective, yeah, quasi-Marxist perspective uh, when, when I'm like, is post-capitalism really good? I don't know. Was capitalism good? I don't even know. Uh, it's actually inspiring, and I hope it's inspiring for others to hear that there is a way to do good in the world, and generating wealth is not necessarily yeah. a bad word because it, it, it goes around. Yes. And I think if the world is wealthier and healthier, I think everyone's better off. And I'm not going to completely go say Golden Gate Ventures is doing good work, but Golden Gate Ventures is doing great work. Yeah. You know, um, Thank you. Th- this has been incredibly enjoyable. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. uh, Justin Hall, partner, Golden Gate Ventures. I think we should be looking for great things from them and great things from Southeast Asia. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank them. you
0: very much.